Well, I got a question as we get started tonight. Have you guys ever felt inadequate? Anybody in here? I mean, um, I know for me, this is something, believe it or not, um, I struggle in constantly. And everyone's like, no way, not you. Um, really, uh, the more uncomfortable I get, the louder I get. So it's kind of just one of those things that um, I, I have a lot of inadequacies. You guys keep your mouth closed um, <laughs> that I struggle with. But, but more often than not, here's the thing. We're perfectly capable of tackling and achieving the things that are set before us, the things that we feel ill-equipped to accomplish. But what's happened is we've allowed the world um, to, to influence us. We've allowed labels to influence us. We've lost sight of our identity. We don't know who we are. And because of those things, we, we withhold ourselves. We allow ourselves to, to take a step back, to be reserved and oftentimes not find the success that's easily attainable, that's right in front of us. And so more often than not, it's our self-image, usually driven by a false narrative brought to us by a broken world that says, you can't do that. You're not capable. You're not good enough. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know where you come from? And so there's a great story that that I want to share with you guys to illustrate this. Um, And so in the 1950s, um, there was this kind of it was a race. Legitimately, it was a race. And they were trying to achieve this goal. And so the goal was this, a four-minute mile, um, to, to run a mile in less than four minutes. And, and it's funny, at the time, it was considered to be medically impossible, that there's no way that the human body could actually do that. And so everybody at the time was saying, you can't, you can't, you can't. And so everybody believed, I can't, I can't, I can't, until one guy said, I can. And so this guy, just so I don't butcher his name, was Roger Bannister. And in 1954, in 1954, he broke a four-minute mile. And he broke it. He had just uh, fractions of a second under it, just an incredible feat. And everybody cheered him. It was triumphant. And he did the thing that everybody deemed impossible. And do you know how long his record stood? You would imagine it'd be years. I mean, people have been trying to break this for decades. Surely this was a fluke. 46 days later, a guy named John Landley broke his record. What changed? People had been striving to accomplish this feat for years. And within days, within weeks of one man doing the impossible, people began to follow suit. And today, over 1,600 people, I'm not one of them, have broke a four-minute mile. And the only thing that changed was the way that people viewed it. What was once impossible was no longer viewed that way. And what it really speaks to is the power of, of thought, the power of labels, and the power of identity. It's one of the reasons that in my family, you can't say can't. It's not something that, that you're allowed to buy into because we limit ourselves when we label ourselves as incapable and unable. And more often than not, we do that in our recovery. We think, I can't get sober. I can't have a good marriage. I can never have good finances. I'll never be a good parent. And we view these things as impossible and we make ourselves inadequate. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy Henry Ford said, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, either way, you're right. 
And so when we begin to look at these things, we have to realize that we can push past any limit that's in our mind. We just have to believe that we can. We have to know who we are, who we were created to be. And so there are so many things I know in my own life that, that I felt inadequate for, unable to accomplish. And it's funny, one of the biggest ones, and if you're a parent in here, you can relate to this, that when I had my first kid, I thought I could never be a good father. I can never be a dad. I could never keep a child alive. I'm happy to say that I successfully keep six kids alive on a regular basis. Um, I just had to break that barrier with one, right? And after I broke that barrier and I realized, man, you just got to feed them and stuff and, and give them water and make sure they get sunshine and, you know, and all that. And it's just great, right? But I felt so inadequate. I had no idea what I was going to do with that first one. My marriage, I never thought I could be a decent husband. And depending on the day you talk to Janelle, sometimes she'll say, you're still not. But more often than not, she would agree with me and saying, I've got it down. It's okay. And it's because I've discovered who I am. I'm no longer limited by the I can'ts. And I endeavored to be the best version of myself that I can be. Another one, um, and it's one that, man, if the enemy's going to knock me down, it's pastoring, it's doing this. And, and I know for the longest time, I labeled myself as inadequate. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't graduate high school. Wasn't, wasn't in the cards. I was too busy doing things I shouldn't do. Um, and I went a different route. Um, I had an incredibly sketchy past. And some days are still kind of sketchy. Um, <laughs> but there's just things in my life that said, you, you can't do that. That's not who you can be. That, that's not you. You're, you need to be here. You need to do these things. And when I have rooms fill up, it's not a testimony to me. When you guys show up, it's a testimony to what God does when we lean into him and the things that, that he's already said that we can do, the things that he's already said we can accomplish. And so a significant amount of fear, though, comes from false labeling and a lack of identity. When we label things incorrectly and when we have no idea who we were created to be or what we were created to do, we keep ourselves from achieving the things that God's set before us. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about identifying false labels. And so I believe it was two or three messages ago. And, and we talked about the fact that, that we need to identify the areas that we've labeled on our lives falsely. Because when we've bought into false labels, then we buy into a false identity. It keeps us from doing and achieving the things that we need to achieve. And so we focus on three truths that every Christian can identify with. And it was this, that we're saved, we're loved, and we're victorious. And, and if our label didn't line up with that, then we could say, you know what, that's not me. If it didn't li line up with the fact that, that we're saved, that we're loved, and that we're victorious, we knew that was not from God. And it allowed us to refocus. Well, today I wanna, I wanna hone in on building an identity. If we've identified false labels, if we identified things in our lives that, that aren't true, we need to build a solid foundation on biblical truth that will give us success in every aspect of our recovery. And so tonight, as we hone in on this, I want to start with our key passage, and it's Psalms 139, starting in verse 13. Psalms 139, starting in verse 13, and it says this, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. And so, who made the delicate inner parts of our body? 
It's God. And so as we read this, you made the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in your mother's womb. I just want to say this. As Christians, we don't believe that God has giant cosmic knitting needles, and he's, he's physically knitting this together. We know how babies are made. I've got six of them. But, but there's something to be said about creation. There's something to be said about the intentionality of who you are and who you were made to be. And the world says you're an accident floating around on an accident with no purpose, no direction, and you just won a cosmic lottery. But we need to buy in and recognize the truth that God made you who you are. God made you to be something special. And so again, it says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You're wonderfully complex, wonderfully complex. And man, I know you want to look at your wife right now, like, gosh, tell me how complicated my wife is. We're just as complicated because we're God's creation, wonderfully complex. He continues in verse 15, and it says, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Not only were we wonderfully complex, not only did God make you, but he was there from the moment of your creation, from the very beginning. Talk about value. That from the very moment you were introduced to life, God was there watching every moment of your life. He continues. And he says, you saw me before I was born. Every day, say every day. Every day day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment, say every moment. Every moment moment was laid out before a single day had passed. That last part I want to focus on. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You know what that's saying? Not only were you intentionally made, but you were made for today. Say I'm made for today. You were made for this moment. You were made for this time. You were made for the day. And the day was made for you. That, that when we feel inadequate, when we feel out of place, when we feel ill-equipped, it's important to focus on the truth that God laid this out before us. We can choose to get off track. We can choose to pursue our own will. And that's where chaos ensues. That's where pain comes into play. But if we pursue the things of God, we're pursuing this bold truth that you were made for today. You were made for this moment. You were made for every trial, every problem you could face. You're equipped for it. You were created with purpose. That's who you are. And so we need to realign ourselves. Not only do we need to shed these false labels, not only do we need to push back the lies that we've bought into But if God's presented us with a moment, if God's presented us with an opportunity, no matter how much somebody says, that's not you, you can't do that. It's incredibly important to be able to look at them and look at yourself in the mirror and say, you were made for today. You were made for this moment, that that God's laid this out before you and everything that you need for success has been given to you already. Every tool, every word, every moment, if you would lean into God, If you would lean into the things that he has for you, you'll find success because 
You were made for the day, and the day was made for you. And so the title, the title of tonight's message, thank you, is this, Made for Today. And so if we're made for the day, if we're made for this time and for this place, surely God has equipped us, right? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> and so tonight, I want to look at three points, three truths that if we reshape, rebuild our identity, as we push past these false narratives that, that allow us to believe that we can't achieve the things that God's called us to, that if we hone on on these, we'll find success. And so when it comes to building our identity around God's word, it's important to remember point number one, we're made in the image of God. We're made in the image of God. Um, I think as Christians, the more time we spend in church, it becomes this cliche thing. Yes, we're made in the image of God. And it becomes white noise, and that's terrible. It's terrible to lose sight of the fact that not only are we God's creation, I mean, God has lots of creations. And we will look around, and we see all sorts of things that, that, he's, that he's created, that he's laid out, only one of which was made in his image. That's us. Only one of which are image bearers of God, the creator, and that's us. We're not the same as, as, as the dogs and the cats. I know there's a lot of pet lovers in here and place extreme value on your animals. I get it. That's okay. We're not the same. We're made in the image of God, and we shouldn't devalue that in any way. And every time we look in the mirror and say, I can't do that, that can't be me. I can't find success. I can't do these things. We're devaluing the fact that we're made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27 says, so God created human beings in his own image. Say own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. As a race of people, every, every ethnicity, male and female, God created us in his very own image. And he created us with purpose. It continues in 128. It said, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. It's one of my favorite parts of God's command. And fill the earth, <laughs> fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. <laughs> you guys are messing me up. You need to stop. <laughs> But he said, fill the earth and govern it. So God created us in his image. And he said, now go out. I give you dominion over all these things to govern them. And it's funny, then we go out into the world and say, I'm not equipped for this. But, but wait, we're made in the image of God. God commanded us to step out in his image and take authority over the things in this world. And so every time... We look in the mirror and say, I can't do the thing that you laid before me, God, the day that you were made for. I can't do it. I can't find success here. I can never be the husband you've called me to be. I can never be the wife you've called me to be. You know, I'll never be good enough. I'll never be perfect. But, but you're equipped. You're equipped for this. God, God, your identity is found in God, and your purpose is found in your identity. Not only were we made in the image of God, but, but we're made to take authority in our world out here and to find success in those things that we continue to run up against and think that we can't accomplish. God's already told us, I mean, govern these things, govern these things. And so we're made in the image of God, and we're also made to govern. That's identity, and that's purpose. 
But sin enters the story shortly after this. If you guys are familiar with your New Testament, as you know, God had made everything, created the earth, um, created man, woman, his image, placed them in the garden. And then along comes the enemy, Satan. He distracts man and, and woman, and he gets them to eat from the tree. And in that moment, that's disobedience. It was disobedience out of their pride. And because of that, sin entered the world. And, and what happened there is, is people lost sight of who they were lost sight of their identity. They made themselves God. They had so much pride and said, I know better than God. And so sin enters this world and it gets us off track. And man as a whole begins to lose sight of both of those things, identity and purpose. And because of that, God sent Christ. And so from the very beginning, we're made in the image of God. And yes, now it's a fallen, broken, chaotic world. But to reinforce God's plan in the beginning, if you go to 2 Corinthians 3.16, it says this, but whenever somebody turns to the Lord, that's whenever somebody becomes a believer, a Christ follower, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You guys know that. In verse 18, it says, so all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we're changed into his glorious image, that even though we may have drifted so far to the right or so far to the left, and maybe we lost sight of our birthright in the beginning from the very moment of life that God was with us and we were created in his image, but, but then things got out of hand and we lost sight of it all and we've burned down every aspect of our life. The truth of the matter is that when we reorient ourselves around God's truth, when we come into a relationship with Jesus, that veil is removed, we find freedom in the spirit of the Lord and we become more and more like him as we're transformed into his glorious image. And so when it comes to our identity, when it comes to who we are, when it comes to success and our recovery, again, point number one, it's important to remember we're made in the image of God. You were made in the image of God. And because of that, you have identity. And because of that, you have purpose. And so when it comes to building our identity around God's word, point number two is this. It's important to remember we're the church. We're the church. And you might be thinking, like, what does that mean to me? What, is, what, what does that mean that we're the church? And so I want to share with you something that, that Jesus said, and it's going to be in Matthew. Um, and so starting in Matthew 16, verse 13, Matthew is in your New Testament. You know, your Bible's divided into Old and New Testament. Matthew's the first book of four books, your gospel. Um, and so Matthew 16, starting in verse 13, it says, when Jesus came to the region of um, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And so Peter recognizes the fact in that moment through, through God's Holy Spirit that, that Jesus was not an ordinary man, but he was the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. It continues, it said, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. In verse 18, he says, Now I say to you, now I say to you, 
that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbid in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So we don't go to church. We are the church. It's not these four walls. It's not this building. This is a group of like-minded believers who have bought into a vision of God. But, but when Jesus is talking to Peter he, here, he says, upon this rock, I will build my church. The word he used there is a word that, that's very uncommon to us. It's ecclesia. Ecclesia has nothing to do with a building. It's closer to a military term, and it means like-minded group of believers. And so if we push the building out of all of this, and we identify with the fact that we are the church, what did Jesus say about the church? He said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. The church is not a building. The church is us. Each one of us is a member of this church that he's talking about. And when we lose sight of this, when we lose sight of our identity, instead of us prevailing against the gates of hell, the gates of hell come flooding in and they ruin your marriage. The gates of hell kick you in the teeth instead of the other way around. When Jesus said this, when when we recognize the fact that that we're the church and, and when we pursue God's will for our lives, when we lay it all down, humble ourselves before him, recognize the truth that Jesus was the Messiah, make him Lord of our lives, we become the church. And when we walk out that reality, what do we have? We have success. Jesus said it there, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's not talking about this building. It's talking about us in unity with each other, pursuing the things of God. And the world... The world wants to knock you off, wants to distract you, wants to convince you that, that you're not the church. You go to church. Oh, you're, you're, not, you're not the church. You attend there. That's, that's them. That's for them. But we need to recognize the truth that, that, that we are the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he says, whatever you forbid on earth, will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. That goes back to that identity back in Genesis 1.27, that, that when we were made in the image of God, that when we recognize that we're image bearers of God, that we have dominion and authority over so much, but we get knocked around like leaves in the wind, and we fail in our marriages, we fail in our recovery, and it's because we've lost sight of who we are. We've bought into the I can't, the, the I'm not good enough. And we've lost sight that, that we're made in the image of God. And we're God's church. We're the bride of Christ. And he's given us so much power, so much authority to carry out his will for our lives. Bad marriage is not his will. Being stuck and struggling in addiction is not God's will. Being trapped in fear Fear of ever pushing forward and pursuing what he has for you is not God's will for your life. But we have to recognize those truths that were made in the image of God, that we're God's church, that he's purposed us with something greater than ourselves. And so point number one, again, was we're made in the image of God. Point number two was 
We are the church. And when it comes to building our identity around God's word, it's important to remember point number three. We are God's chosen. Sam chosen. Oh, we can do better than that. Sam chosen. Chosen. I know everybody loves that series, The Chosen, right? I mean, if you've watched that as Christians, great, great content. Maybe one of these days they'll get that next season out. Um, and it's real easy to take that title and think, oh, man, the 12 were chosen. They were chosen by God. Um, there's so much truth, so much more truth to just that statement. And it doesn't apply to 12 guys that we've never met. It, it applies to every single one of us that would show up here tonight and call Jesus Lord. It, it applies to every single one of us that would pursue the things of God. And so, again, point number three is we are God's chosen. In 1 Peter, 1 Peter, starting in chapter 2, verse 9, it says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. A ro- you are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. There is so much just in those, those, those simple set of words right there. You're, you're not like that, not like what? Not like the world, for you are God's chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. How often has the world convinced you that, that your life is valueless, meaningless, that you're not good enough, but God's truth, when we reorient our identity around what God says, you're a chosen people, royal priest, holy nation, God's very own possession, that, that our life has value, it has purpose, it has meaning, God's very own possession. As a result, because of who we are in Christ, because of what he's done, as a result, we get to waller in self-pity, saying, I can't. I'll never, I'll never, no. But that, that's what we do. We, we, we come up against these walls in life and say, I'll never be able to do that. I can never be that. That's not for me. And we ignore the fact that he's called us to something greater. Again, it says, as a result of what God's done, not of what you've done, of what God's done, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. In verse 10, it says, once you had no identity as people. I remember so much of my life, I walked in darkness. I walked in seclusion. I had no idea who I was because I didn't know God. But when we recognize who he is and his authority, once you had no identity as people, but now God's people were chosen. We're chosen for something more than, than being trapped, being lost in darkness. Now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. We need to recognize that God has called us to something greater. He continues in 11 and 12. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Again, it just points to the fact that that we're not meant to put all of our stock in what's temporary. 
We're God's chosen people. We're temporary residents. We need to find our identity, not in the things of this world, which is what we do. We put all of our stock in our jobs, in our houses, in our cars. We define ourselves by, by labels and statistics that we find out there. And we need to recognize that, that we're made in the image of God, that we're the church, that we're God's chosen people. And we need to orient our identity around that. And when we do that, when we say, I'm made in the image of God, I can. I can do this. I can find success. I can push back against these things that have held me back for so long. And I can find success and I can find freedom and I can finally be who God has called me to be. And so to recap tonight, again, we are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. You are not defined by your past. You're not defined by what somebody said about you. You're defined by the fact that you are an image bearer of God. And you were created with identity. And you were created with purpose. We are the church. And as the church, when, when we pursue God's will, when we recognize who he's called us to be, when we operate in unity, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And lastly, we are God's chosen. You were chosen for something greater than, than being trapped in addiction, than being stuck in broken relationships. You were created to find success. Remember, you were made for the day, and the day was made for you. Our action steps tonight, number one, identify labels you've come to believe, both good and bad, that there's things in your life that you've bought into, and we need to begin to recognize what those are, both good and bad. Number two, replace any negative labels you have about yourself with what God thinks about you and create a value statement. Push out that negative garbage and identify with God's truth. You're made in the image of God. You're the church. You're God's chosen. And number three, start and end each day by reading your new value statement aloud until you replace the old negative labels. Don't allow yourself to be held back by identifiers that were placed on you by broken people in broken situations. Don't allow yourself to be defined by, by parents who struggled just as much as you. And, and, and situations outside here that are more broken than you are, stop allowing those things to define who you are and allow yourself to be defined by who God says you are. And so tonight, all of this starts with a relationship with Jesus. When we talk about being chosen, that, that's when we've stepped into that relationship with God. When we talk about being the church, that's stepping in in unity and recognizing that truth that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Savior. And so if you're in here tonight and you're like, I've been doing this all wrong, that, that, that I didn't realize that, that I was created, that I'm not an accident. I didn't realize that, that God birthed me, knit me together, formed me in utter seclusion. I didn't realize that I had a creator and a savior. And you're like, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to live differently. I'm ready to be different. And you're in here tonight. And you're like, you know what? I want to give my life to Jesus. 
that, that I want to pursue something different, that you recognize that he was the son of God, you believe that he lived and died for you, and you're ready to make him Lord, we would love for you to do that. And so just a moment, as service closes, we're going to have our chip prayers and huggers up here. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can make that decision tonight. And if you're in here and you've done that, maybe you've gotten off track, you forgot who you were. You forgot who God created you to be. And you, you found yourself so far and you're ready to come back home tonight. You're ready to commit. I would encourage you to do that, that you can come up front and recommit your life. And if you're in here and you're like, you know what? God's just been dealing with me inside. He's been nudging me and pressing in my heart the whole time you've been up there. And there's something that, that I've held on to that keeps me from fully engaging in the identity he's given me. And you're ready to set that down. When they come up here, I wanna encourage you to come get one of our white chips. There's nothing special about it, but it's a reminder. It's between you and God where you can say, you know what? I've set that down. I've handed that over to him. I'm no longer gonna deal with this. I've placed it at the foot of the cross. I wanna encourage you to get a white chip. It's blank. You can write down what it is. Again, that's between you and God. We'll never see that. That's, that's for you. Or you can write down today's date, whatever it is that, that just reminds you of the decision you made today to allow God to be God. And then lastly, if you just need prayer, maybe something's going on in your life. Maybe you've been struggling and, and you've, you've just been waiting for somebody to journey with. You've been waiting for somebody to pray with and, and somebody just to, to tell you how much God loves you. And you just want somebody to just embrace you and pray. Man, we would love to do that. This is a house of prayer. And so for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer tonight, we want to encourage you to come down front and just join us. And if everybody would, as we close, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.